How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, I'm wide awake. How about you? Well, I have to be because every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., my host, my guest, uh, excuse me, my co-host, Danny Bush, and myself, Tom Neubauer, come to you with the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. So, since I'm awake, and I hope you are somewhat awake, I want to say good morning to our producer, Sam, and of course to Danny. Good morning, Danny. I'm awake. I'm awake. How about you? Good, yeah. And oh, you Remember know that one? I forgot to tell people that they can get a hold of us by calling us at 414-799-1250 or emailing us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Anyway, what's up, Danny? Yeah, we got spirit, we got spirit, we got spirit. How about you? (laughs) Remember that one from the high school days? No. (laughs) Well, you were out having smokes in the parking lot with the rest of the greasers. And, and, And a beer. And a beer, yeah, probably with beer. the hood open, looking at some uh, somebody's carburetor. Yeah, something like that. Hey, yeah. you know, we got a full moon right now. Uh, yeah. And you know what it's called, this one? This uh, is the, the Sturgeon Moon. The Sturgeon Moon. The Sturgeon Moon, yeah. Mm. I just read that the other day, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I think we mentioned that one time in the past, too, but I wouldn't have remembered it if I didn't read it. You know, I think Sturgeon Moon's a little boring, Tom. It's much cooler if it's the Blood Red Moon or it's the Wolf Moon or the, you know, something kind of, I don't know, mystical and scary and, uh, yeah, that's that's the best kind. 
Well, I, I wonder why they call it the Sturgeon Moon. Well, you know, that's why I'm really shocked, Tom, because you're a bastion of knowledge. I'm really surprised you didn't research this yesterday so you could explain to us. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, Doggone. You know, you're slipping, Tom. You'll be proud of me, though, Tom. Yeah. Uh, y- yesterday, I really impressed myself. Okay, Tech- what'd you do? Tech- okay, I was waiting for you. I'm glad you asked, Tom. Uh, technology isn't exactly our strong suit, right? Okay. Okay. Like. Like like the time you explained your computer was messed up and you had to have your son tell you to unplug everything and yeah, plug it back in and turn it on again. So I, uh, I'm going to be going up to set up a uh, bear stand. We've got a monster bear on our trail cam. So I'm going to go up with Jeff today and set up, set up a, a, a stand. We're going to figure out. He's going to look at the topography and decide where he wants to put it. But... Uh, I decided to break down and buy a trail cam. Uh, I had one for many years that put the SD card in it. It was probably a $90 Bushnell one, and it worked great up until it died, oh, about a year or so ago. So I bought one that communicates, Tom, with your cell phone. And, yeah, this took me all day yesterday trying to set it up. It, 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 I mean, you got to go uh, on, you got to activate the phone and then you, I mean, the cell cam, the trail camera you know, with, with this, I got a spy point and you got to activate it with the spy point. You got to download the spy point app onto your phone and you got to do all this setup stuff. It took me all day, but by golly, I, it, it was working. I, I, unbeknownst to Loey, <laughs> I set it up in the hallway. <laughs> I got shots of her walking, <laughs> walking up and down the hall <laughs> throughout the day. And then I put it outside by the boat landing <laughs> and set it up. And uh, yeah, I got it set up where it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna send me the pictures uh, so supposedly at 12 o'clock each day. But but here's the problem though, Tom. It's highly dependent on the cell phone area coverage. Oh yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, if, if I put it down by the river valley somewhere, I, I got a sneaking suspicion I'm not going to get a good signal down there. So it might it might be all for nothing. Well, then when, when, we, when we check the camera itself, you can physically take the SD card out and you plug it into this little cool little thing that I bought that plugs right into your cell phone and then you can just see the pictures right on your cell phone. Another reason, Tom, why updating to the latest technology and getting rid of that flip phone was the smartest thing I ever did. Yes. For you it is, yes. Yeah, you're still going to be a holdout there, Tom. That's right. You know what I say? Smartphones and Christmas. Bahungbug. You know, and I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. You know, I... uh, I, uh, I, I, I was the Apostle Paul railing against the church in the biblical days until I got, he got struck off his horse and turned his life over and was on God's side. Well, I, I didn't quite get struck off my horse to change my attitudes, but something happened, and I, I broke down and got it, and I'm glad I did. Well, I'm happy for you. So, yeah, that's, that was my major accomplishment. Now, here's the complaint I got, though, about the, the, the cell phone, the, the cameras. It's, it's really confusing because it says pick the one that has the best coverage for you. So there's one camera that's a Verizon. It uses the Verizon network, and then another one uses a network 
called the Nationwide Network, which is a combination of AT&T and something else. But it doesn't say on the package which one you can, what you're buying. You don't even know what you got. So I'm still not sure. Well, as long as it works. Well, that's what I'll find out, I guess, in the next couple of days. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So are you going to be baiting up there? When, when does that start, the baiting? Well, um, actually, uh, this year, the, uh, I believe the, the hound, the dog hunters can go first. Mm-hmm. So I think they start like the 7th or something like that. Um, the bait hunters get the week uh, delayed start. They start the 15th. It, it alternates every year. Right. So we, you know, Jeff figured that, that if we get that bait out there a month in advance, that that'll be enough. Although, you know, there's some people that they've been baiting bears since, uh, I, I think it's, I think you got to wait till like April or May sometime before legally the DNR lets you bait. But there's some guys that are, you know, been baiting for months. Yeah, and, and there's kind of a science to the baiting as well, Tom. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I've been doing a lot of reading about it. You know, once you get the bear coming, uh, you want to mix it up. You want to kind of mix the meal up. So, like, Tom, Tom, Tom Neubauer, let's say Tom Neubauer's favorite meal is spaghetti, right? Well, I'll bet that if he, Tom had spaghetti four nights in a row, he'd be kind of getting tired of spaghetti. He'd want something different. So I guess yeah. same thing with the bear. You got to kind of mix it up a little bit and and see, you know, keep to keep them coming. But the baiting still doesn't guarantee you a bear, right? What's that? If the baiting does not guarantee a bear. Uh, no, 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 it doesn't guarantee no. a bear, but it, 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 it let me tell you, you don't want to go, just go climb a tree and sit and look at some oak woods right. somewhere, a cornfield. Right. You're, uh, you're definitely, if there are bear in the area, apparently they do have an incredible sense of smell. I've read anything from one to, to four miles. I mean, you go online and look, you get, uh, you know, you know, different results on that. But put it this way, they can smell really, really good. Um, another interesting thing, Tom, is uh, I was I was reading. Well, trail camera. Do not be getting the sticky food onto your hands when you're baiting, and then go handle your trail camera yeah, yeah, because be they might try and take a bite out of your trail camera. So y- you don't want to do that. And uh, and then the one one article that I read, uh, the hunter actually didn't really worry about getting his human scent on the trail camera because his theory was, well, if that bear kind of gets used to my scent a little bit, it won't be, you know, it, you know, won't it, it won't spook as easy, you know, once he's actually hunting. There's some people that talk about actually taking like one of your T-shirts or something and putting it up in your tree stand or near the bait so they get used to your smell for a period of time. I ran that one by Jeff, and he ain't going to do it. So apparently all his T-shirts are too clean and don't smell, so he's, he's not going to leave. Plus, he says, well, the smell will wear off after a while, so why leave one there? So I don't know. Well, <laughs> I don't, again, I, whatever works, you know, whatever, whatever works, works. whatever hunter. Yeah, right, exactly. You do, you do want to try, indefinitely, once you are hunting, you definitely want to try and be as scent-free as, as possible. Our, our friend Rod Grimmie was the one that told me about this years ago. He, uh, he actually uh, had a big bear come in years ago, and it was about 55 yards away. 
and uh, it actually stopped and raised its head, put its nose in the air, and turned and looked right at him, and just yeah. turned around and got got the heck out of Dodge. He couldn't believe that that thing would smell him. So yeah. they, they do have an incredible nose. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, most animals do, you know. I mean, it's, you know, we, we, we've got smell, but we've got, we've got great eyesight, though, you know, and we can hear. Right? Some animals hear better than us, too, though. So... I think well, maybe they got better, uh, you know, senses than we do overall, and I suppose they have to to live in the wild like that, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think bear have uh, have good eyesight. I think their 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 eyesight, I don't think, is as good as say, maybe a deer. And in deer, I mean, they have good eyesight. They're great at detecting movement. Uh, what what they what they say though with deer, and I don't know if this is true, is that. They don't quite have the uh, higher uh, reasoning capacity, brain capacity, where they can look at something and they can discriminate and say, there's a man, uh, there's a boat, there's a beach ball. Uh, you know, what? It, it, they, they, if something's standing motionless, they have a hard time really, you know, right. seeing right. what it is. Uh, I think they trust their, they'll see movement, but they trust their nose to tell them what something is more than their eyes. At least right. that's kind of what I've heard. That's what I've heard too. So, stand still, don't move around a lot. Yep. Well, it, the, the thing that is amazing though about all animals is that, and, and my buddy Scott put it this way best, is if you come home and your wife moved the couch from one side of the room to the other, or moved a lamp or something, and you walk in there and you stand there for a little bit thinking, something's odd, something's different, you can't quite put your finger on it well i've seen i mean even squirrels will, you know you'll be up in a tree stand that the stand's been there year round but all of a sudden someone's standing in it and all of a sudden they look up there and they're like wait a second that wasn't there before and, and deer deer will do the same thing too they just they just notice so yeah, huh. have, yeah. Tom, tom it oh. it's been many years since you deer hunted did you ever see deer do the old head bob trick oh yeah where they, it, it's almost comical, uh, where they, they look at you and you don't move, you're motionless, but then they act like they're putting their head down to eat and all of a sudden they pop their head up real quick and look at you to see if they can catch you moving. It, yep. it, 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 it's comical to see it. Yeah, they, they take a step, head down, head up. Take a step, head down, head up, you know, and they just keep doing it. Hey, we got an email, and this okay. is from Greg. Greg says, uh... It is called the Sturgeon Moon because the sturgeon of the Great Lakes and Lake Champlain were most readily caught during this part of summer. Great show from Greg. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate that. So that's when they were most readily caught. I guess that must be years ago, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. years ago. It would be interesting, interesting know, to know how they were caught, you know, what... Uh, why are they running in a river are they shallower or are they uh are they catching them in nets or what are they talking about what's the tactic yeah, who knows i don't know I don't well that's know. your next research project tom i want you to get on that right away for next week <laughs> okay don't hold your breath though just in case no you know i got a busy week coming up busy oh week. yeah yeah busy week, uh, busy make, week. how many sauces do you need to make and mix how many what? Sauces. Sauces? You know, yeah, you're the cook. You're probably mixing three kinds of sauces and pu no. pulling a bunch of vegetables and but making I, all kinds of big dinners this week. 
No, I actually I canned a bunch of Roma tomatoes. That was pretty cool. First time I ever canned Roma tomatoes. So they look pretty cool in those quart jars. But anyway, hey, listen, it's time for a break. And when we come back, i got a fishing story to tell you. Okay, sounds good. All right, All right. well, we're going to take a quick break, folks. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back right here on the Cutting Edge on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. So stay tuned for more. To the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. Also, uh, don't forget uh, the Coleman Insect Repellent this time of year. And Tom, I, uh, I'm searching frantically for my deetless Coleman Insect Repellent. And for the life of me, I can't figure where I put it. But uh, hopefully the bugs will not be too bad. Well, as they say, it'll be in the last place you look. <laughs> or the place you never look. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, so I went fishing this last week, this past week, and uh, I went out with my son, Nick, and my two grandkids, and it was really kind of funny because, well, you know, when we go out with the grandkids, we don't fish, you know, we just, I mean, if the kids are going to take a break, you know, and have some snacks, you know, and just take a break from fishing, then Nick and I will fish a little bit, you know, maybe about 20 minutes, half an hour, well, anyway, because the main thing is about the kids fishing. So my granddaughter and I were a team, and my grandson and Nick were a team. And uh, she said when we first started, you know, we, we take them to a spot and we anchor, and, uh, you know, for bluegills and perch and pumpkin seeds and any kind of panfish. And uh, so she said, well, Grandpa, I'm going to set a goal, a goal of 20 fish. And I said, okay, that's cool, you know. Well, let's put it this way. After she hit 20, she said, we're going to change that goal to 30. Then she changed it to 40. She ended up catching, I don't know, it was like 52 or 53 panfish, mostly perch, but a lot of bluegills too. And her little brother, well, he only got about 12. That's because a lot of the time he spends, because, well, we were putting a decent-sized perch, you know, nice-sized perch in the live well. And so he'd spend half of the time playing in the live well, trying to catch the fish out of the live well. Well, he's only six. What do you expect, right? So, you know, <laughs> but my, my granddaughter, oh, she was having fun teasing her little brother, you know, about how many fish she's catching. But, but we did have a good time. I'll tell you, you know, taking the kids out fishing, I don't care if I fish or not. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just having a ball helping her, you know, and... All, all I have to do for her is basically cast and put on a piece of worm because we just don't want to. The kids can cast, but when you got four people in the boat, eh, you know, you don't want anybody getting hooked. So I cast for her, and, and then she just, you know, sets the hook and reels them in. So, and most of the time she takes the fish off herself, and she's, what, eight now. And uh, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun, and we caught. Yeah, they caught a lot of fish. Yeah, a lot of them. Did you Did you keep any? Yeah, we kept uh, we kept a bunch of perch. Yeah, that were decent. Yeah, because you know, yeah, if you get some decent perch, man. Uh, I was at uh, Park Avenue Pizza yesterday. They uh, 
of their Friday fish fry. And uh, one of my friends, Gary, who said he'd listen to the show today, but I'm sure he's sleeping right now. Uh, he was eating perch. I, uh, no, bluegill. I think they had bluegill that yeah. he was eating. And I looked at him and I thought, man, that looks really good. That makes me want to get out here and catch some more and fillet them yeah. up myself and have a fish fry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We we didn't catch any big enough, you know, bluegills. But, uh, you know, a lot of the perch we kept were around 10 inches. And, you know, they were, you know, some of the smaller ones were like eight and a half, you know, which is kind of borderline for keeping but eight and a half inches to ten inches you know and we had enough of them you know so that was nice you know and the kids were happy we were happy everybody was happy everybody was happy well it is fun fishing with the kids uh i find myself enjoying it as much as they do Uh Uh, i will say though is it's as much work as musky fishing because if you get a couple kids especially in the boat at the same time they're both catching fish I get stuck full-time duty, unhooking fish, giving them another night crawler, putting another night crawler on the hook, untangling lines. Uh, yeah, it's it's nonstop, you know. So yeah, as a it, matter of fact, I couldn't figure out how my granddaughter would keep getting line behind the spool, you know, on the shaft of the spool. Of the yes. Reel. How she kept getting line back there? I, don't, I It's like, what are you doing that you're getting line back there? You know. I had to untangle it like several times. I had to take the the spool off and unwrap the line. I I, I can't tell you. To, I, I don't know if I've ever had that happen to me. Well, the you know, couple I, things that kind of <laughs> that are kind of comical when a kid's winding in a big bluegill or something. Uh, let's say I tend to have the drag set pretty light with 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 light line and uh, you know light rods and reels in case you you hook into a you know occasional three four five pound bass. You want to have the drag, but they'll be fighting even just the bluegill, and the drag is going, and they're winding against it, and it's just and and that twists the line, and you try and tell them, whoa, 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 you know, you don't have to wind if it's, you know, just let the rod do the work, and then when they do wind it up, they wind the bobber right, right. up to the rod tip, and yep. they still keep winding. Yep. Or right if you don't have a bobber. Yeah, if they don't have a bobber, they wind uh, the split shot or whatever, or the fish right to the rod tip. They never quit. It's like, stop winding. We got it here in the boat. Swing it over to me. Well, I got to admit, the grandkids, they've been fishing for quite a while, you know, many years now, actually. So they got that kind of down pretty good, you know, where they stop winding soon. Eh, Sometimes they wind a little bit too far, and they're trying to, you know, the, the fish is swinging in the air, and they're trying to grab it, you know, to unhook it. And I always got to say, you got to let some line out. You're reeling it in a little too far, you know. And, and they kind of get a hang, a hang of it after a while, you know. They, they're pretty good at it. So, well, but yeah, it's fun. I, I look forward to doing that. I, I told my son, Nick, I said, anytime you call, I'll be ready to go. You know, if you're taking the kids out and you want me to come along, I, I'm ready anytime. I'll just call I me think- and I'll be there. I think the little girls probably learn just as good, if not better, than the little boys. Um, yeah, in I my agree. experience, I, I think it's because they listen. <laughs> yeah, and, and she has more patience. You know, she'll, she'll just sit there and stare at that bobber and hold that rod and reel. She's got patience, whereas the little boy, if that bobber ain't going down, then he's going to go do something else, you know. Uh, so, 
yeah, it, yeah. The little little guy's got a little less patience, you know. So well, that's but all right. That, but but it's good that you introduce him to it. But the interesting thing is how even though you, they might be doing it now, only time will tell. Will they continue doing it into their adult life? Because yeah. some do. And become avid fishermen or outdoorsmen and still hunt or fish or whatever. They, they grew up with their dad or uncle or grandpa taking them. And others never do it. They just, oh, yeah, I used to do that at Camp Wakanda when I was a kid. But, you know, they never, they get into different things. So I wonder what gene it is that you got to inherit where you just really got the, uh, the drive to stick with it and do it all your life. Right, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll find out, you know. And when, when they, they get a little older, Nick will be taking them hunting, you know. So, uh, he, you know, just like when my boys were were growing up, I, I tried to introduce them into a lot of stuff, you know, in the outdoors. And if they liked it, great. And if they didn't, well, okay, it just wasn't for them, you know. But at least you introduce them to it, and then they can make up their own mind if they like it or not, you know. So. And speaking, speaking of hunting and kids, um the Wisconsin DNR and Waterfowl Conservation Organizations are going to host a Waterfowl Hunters Expo Saturday, August 28th at the Sunnyview Expo Center in Oshkosh. And it's an outdoor family dog-friendly expo. Uh, they're going to have um, uh, a fastest retriever contest. Uh, they're going to have judging for the 2022 Waterfowl Stamp Contest and all kinds of exhibits and so forth and uh, i think children under 12 and dogs are free <laughs> but you gotta have your dog on a lead i guess isn't that where they hold the eaa uh sunnyview expo center i th boy I, you're probably right on that tom because you're rarely wrong yeah it's, and they said it's an outdoor so yeah that's probably where it's at you know those fastest retriever contests i would really like to see one of those yeah because these guys, you know, have their very expensive dogs and everybody's got their, you know, their the pride in theirs. Many years ago, a friend of mine, he might be listening now, Mike Scalander, he had his dog and uh, Yellow Lab. And right now I'm uh, spacing out on the name of the dog because it's pretty old now. But he went to one of those things and uh, his dog, I think he, I don't even, he didn't go and spend thousands for his dog. Uh, he just... I don't know if he even even paid anything for it, but he put it up against all these uh, expensive retrievers. And after like the first day, I think his dog was like in first place going against all these guys with, you know, and people take a lot of pride in their dogs. But then the next day the dog got up and it was peeing blood. Uh -oh. So he couldn't compete at that day. I, I think, well, from he took it to the vet and the vet said, well, think about it. If you jumped off a high dive onto your belly doing belly flops all night, all day long, how do you think you'd feel? So evidently you must have bruised, I don't know what, kidneys internally or something like that. But well, I, uh, for, for a day, the dog was a champ. Well, because I, I saw that one time in the same area, you know, up at the EAA grounds. They had a big fair. And these dogs would go running off of a dock, a boat dock, and fly in the air into the water then and then retrieve whatever it was and then bring it back but boy i'll tell you what when they when they jumped off that dock man they were in the air for a little bit you know they went flying out there and i can see them yeah landing on their bellies all day oh that'd be terrible that'd be terrible 
But yeah. what isn't terrible, I'll tell you this much, what isn't terrible is our next break coming up because after this break is the gut report. So, folks, you want to stay tuned for the gut report and you want to stay tuned for the rest of the uh, Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. And if you want, you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com or you can call us at 414-799-1250. Dan and I will be right back. Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this morning, folks, I'm talking zucchini, and i got to apologize to one of our listeners. I know he doesn't like zucchini, but you know what? There's a lot of people who do, so just hang on. Anyway, I'm talking about zucchini rings, kind of like onion rings, only zucchini rings. Now, this is what I like doing. I make them just like I make fish. I'll take this stuff called Legendary Northwoods. It's a fish coating uh, available, I know, at uh, Sherpers and Hales Corners, but it might be available at other stores. I just don't know. Or you can use Shore shore Lunch or whatever type of fish coating you like. Now, what I do with my Legendary Northwoods is I mix in some cracker meal. So there's, I got the, the, the coating and then the cracker meal. So then what I do is I cut the zucchini. First, I, I peel the zucchini, and it's got to be a zucchini that's three or four inches in diameter. Now, I like to peel it. You don't have to. After I peel the zucchini, I cut it into one-quarter to three-eighths inch pieces. You know, they're round pieces. And then I cut out the seeds, okay? You've got to cut out the seeds so that you've got something that looks like, a, like an onion ring. It's a ring, okay? It's a zucchini ring. Then what I do is you got to get them wet because that's what makes the, the coating adhere to the zucchini ring. So you get them wet, you coat them, and then your oil should be at about 350 to 375, about a half an inch to an inch of oil, and you fry them on one. Now, I don't have a deep fryer. I don't use a deep fryer. I just fry them in a pan. So I fry them on one side. It takes about, you know, three minutes or so, and then I flip them over, fry them on the other side, and uh, until they're golden brown, fry them until they're golden brown. And then I put them on a plate that's got some paper towel to absorb some of the grease, you know, and I sprinkle a little salt on top. I'm telling you, it's just like frying fish, only it's zucchini rings, and they're delicious. I hope you try it. I like them, and maybe I think you will too. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price, selection, and service at 51st in Oklahoma and Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes. Cutting Edge Outdoors, we are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. And I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer. We always uh, like to thank our listeners out there. We always say we like to, uh, we back the badge, thank the police officers out there, first responders, firefighters, healthcare workers, and military. And this week, Tom, I did have a, uh, a uh, firefighter out with me, AJ, and his father, Ron, and uh, we had a we had a big muskie on, and we lost it at the boat, but it was fun. Oh wow! 
Yep. What, it just there. got off by the boat or what? Yeah, yeah, it came to the, it was down, it was staying down doing heavy head shakes and then it got, came up about, oh, I don't know, uh, 10 yards from the boat and it had a, it was, it, when I saw the fish, it was, it had a huge head and thick body uh, and then it came to the top of the water and it kind of shook its head and the bait came popping out and there it was gone. I think it just had the back hook. Just yeah. barely, and uh, yeah, sometimes the fish wins, but at least we got to see it anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I got to tell you something, what happened to one of my nieces, uh, her and her sons are into biking, and you know, this niece is about 50 years old, and anyway, they're into biking, and this last weekend, there's a, a trail out in Madison where there's a a, a little ravine, okay, it's not real deep, but you come down a hill and you've got to jump the ravine. Well, you don't have to jump the ravine. You can, you know, take your bike and walk over it or whatever. But uh, my her son said, yeah, you got to be going about 25, 30 miles an hour. That's that's really fast on a bike, and you know about that. You know, you're a bicyclist, you know. And so they're going, she's going down this hill at 25, 30 miles an hour, but she wasn't, I guess, wasn't going fast enough, and it was kind of muddy, and she didn't make it across the ravine, planted in the mud and the rocks, and she face-planted, and oh my lord, she had a double concussion, uh, broken ribs, uh, a broken uh, one of the, what, what's, what do they call those things in your back, on your spine, a cervical? Um, disc. A disc or something like that. Yeah, she broke one of those. Uh, I don't know if she broke or twisted the, an ankle. She broke a leg, broken a wrist. I, oh, boy, she was just so, so screwed up. As a matter of fact, she was unconscious. And the, her friend that she was bicycling with, she she called, uh, you know, 911. They sent the flight for life because she was unconscious. And, and uh, so the flight for life helicopter took her out and she just got out of the hospital on i think it was on thursday and um so you know i god boy did she take a face plant on there you know and really screwed herself up but it just goes to show you know i mean i, I don't know if she was wearing a helmet or not i don't know i didn't ask my brother that but how old how old is she she's about 50. 50 and, okay boy the thing is is that you know you you got to be, you know, just because it's a bicycle, people think, ah, that's no big deal, I'm on a bike. Well, you know, it depends. You know, you fall wrong on a bike, you can really hurt yourself. Have you ever fallen off a bike, Danny? Well, here's the deal, Tom. Um, at, at our age, anytime you fall off a bike, you're going to get hurt bad. Now, yeah. when what, and to answer your question, yes, many times as a kid, we had yeah, some hellacious kid. crashes. I was talking to my old buddy, Jimmy Whitney, who grew up across the street from me, and we talked about all the times we went off our bike. We used to go down the hill with, with no hands on the handlebar, and then you, there was a 90-degree uh, turn, where a side road, and if you lean just right, you could make that turn if no cars were coming there, and if you'd, you'd just barely clear the curb on the other side, but if you didn't quite clear clear that, 
you'd hit the curb and you go launching 10 yards onto the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, you'd just go, you'd about kill yourself. But it's amazing we never had any broken bones or double concussions. I, no. God God just must make you more pliable. You must bend and, I don't know, you know, like uh, you're like a, you're like Gumby, you're rubber back then. You can just bend and not break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. As kids, it's, it's totally different than adults, but... Uh... So yeah, that uh, boy. I, 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 the reason I bring it up is that because you know there's people who listen to the show who do do go out biking in that. And you know if you're ever going down a hill and you got to jump a ravine, play it safe. <laughs> Get off your bike and walk across the ravine. <laughs> you know, jeez. Yeah, I uh, there's two big hills on the uh, Lake Country Trail here uh, by the golf course over on the other west side of Pewaukee Lake. And you go down those hills, you're you're flying. And I hate to admit, Tom, I I don't wear a helmet, and uh, I, I normally kind of try and slow myself down with the brakes. But uh, realistically, a guy should wear a helmet because you are moving fast. And I did think, you know, if a tire blew or something happened, and you went, you know, head over tea kettle, uh, it would not be good. No, it would not be. Would not be. But. But anyway, it's just, uh, you know, uh, for people who are going out fishing today, you know, I get a kick out of it. You know, the weather report says, uh, chance of rain. Okay, and then they showed where the clouds are. And rain. So the thing is, is, there's a chance of rain today, so you don't know if it's going to rain or not. Take your rain gear anyway. But um, the thing is, is that, like, you, you know, there could be rain here, but not out by, let's say, out by you. Uh, as a matter of fact, just a few days ago, I'm talking to my brother, Bill, who lives out just west of Sussex. And he says, is it raining by you? And I said, no. He says, well, it's raining here. Well, it never did rain here by me. So, you know, even though the, the weather guy says chance of rain, most likely it won't rain on you, but you better take that rain gear along just in case, you know. You never know for sure. Well, hey, you know that times? if you huh? if you don't bring the rain gear, it will rain. Yeah. How many times has, times has, has that happened to you, Danny, where you see rain at the other end of the lake, but it's not raining by you, or vice versa, you know? I know that's happened to me. Over the years, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that, you know? Yep. So, yep. anyway. Always got to bring it with. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, but I guess the rest, of, well, actually... Monday through Sunday supposed to be no rain, but Monday through Thursday, I think they're saying a, a chance of rain every day, a chance. So just a chance. So most likely it won't, but there is a chance. So. Well, hopefully it's not raining when we're out in the woods trying to set up a stand because oh, nothing would be worse than uh, than sweating in rain gear in the heat in the forest trying to set up a bear bait and stand and lugging stuff in. So. Yeah, that would be pretty, pretty, you'd that be dying. That would be miserable. That, that would be, be miserable. So, yeah, I got the rain gear with, but I'm crossing my fingers, but uh, but you never know. Well, I'm crossing my fingers, too, hoping that we have a winner for the Hornschwaggle, which is coming up right after this commercial. Now, if you haven't won in the last two months, you can be a contestant. And it's sponsored by Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls on on the corner of Pilgrim and Silver Spring. And if you win, you'll get a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market. 
and also sponsored by Baitmate Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. And if you win, you'll get a nice prize package from Coleman and, Ins- and Baitmate. So if you want to be a contestant, you got to call right now, and that's 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. And good luck to whoever the contestant is. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. Thanks for listening and joining us, getting on board for a ride on the crazy train. And right now we have the long-awaited, world-famous, much-anticipated, favorite segment of our show. Sorry, Tom, I know some people like that gut report, but too much zucchini. Um, we've got the horn schwaggle, so do we have a lucky corn-testant, Sam? Yes, we do. Today we got Paul in New Berlin. Paul in New Berlin. How are you doing, Paul? Hey, fine. Morning, guys. Good morning. Okay. Okay. So, um, I think you might have your radio on, Paul. No. No? Okay. I was getting a little feedback there. All right. So, it's, it's gone now. So, today's uh, Hornschwaggle involves black bears. Black bears being as I'm going up to try and shoot a black bar. Uh, or actually, I'm going to help my friend Jeff shoot the black bar. So, here we go. Uh, A black bear litter, typically a female bear, will have anywhere between six and eight cubs in an average litter. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? Hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle. Very good. Got that one. Okay. Um, Black bears are carnivores. In other words, all they will eat is meat. Hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle. All right. Okay. When camping out in the woods, it's always a good idea to feed the bears so they don't get mad and try and eat you. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? Hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle. Okay. Well, that sounds good, Paul. I... I think you got a winner there, so uh, you can expect a prize package from uh, Baitmate, plus you'll get the uh, certificate from Carl's. Give it about a week or so, uh, and uh, leave your address with uh, Sam, and we'll uh, work on getting that stuff out, and thanks for listening. All right, have a good one. You too. All right, take care. Uh, there's, there's a man who knows his bears. Yeah, although I, I think those were probably not too terribly no, difficult. No, they were not hard. No, not hard. No, no, yeah. I suppose I could have made them a little bit more, uh, a little bit more challenging there. So no, uh, that was fine. That was fine. Oh, that was fine. Okay. So yeah. moving right along, being as we're talking about carnivores, uh, you meant you were talking about the wolves, uh, and how that uh, the uh, the Native Americans will you know get half the tags that they don't even bother filling. Uh, it looks like the Natural Resources Board set the quota at 300. Did you yep. hear anything about that? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so then they are figuring that they really want to get 150 is really what they're shooting for. Right. And you know, I don't I don't know why they don't set it at like 600 if they want 300. You know, I just don't understand it. I mean, the DNR 
you know, years ago said they wanted a population of wolves of around 350. Well, it's a mm-hmm. heck of a lot more than that, so you ought to dispatch a few. That's all, you know. Well, I think they, they don't want 300 shot. They want 150 shot. That's why they went with 300, because they know right. that they're only going to get half. But they should. They should shoot a lot more to get it down closer to that 350 population. Well, I do recall, I think you're right about that, Tom. Years ago, I think that's what we always heard. Once yep. it gets about 350, that'll be about what we want. Now, yeah. my question is, how did they come up with 350? Is that some arbitrary number? Is that yeah. some number they just pulled off the top, or was there yep. some science behind it? I don't think so. I think they just pulled it out of a hat. and But then they forgot that, you know, once you get to 350... Those animals are going to procreate. They're just not going to stop having baby, you know, little ones, you know. And so they, they, you know, they didn't they think ahead that you know it's going to keep growing, you know, unless you have a season on them. Oh boy, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess wolves don't necessarily go to planned parenthood. No, or, they don't. Or, or I should call it planned non-parenthood. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but three three fifty. Now, actually, they. Um, I'm sure there was some science behind it. I, you know, I'm sure they had some reasoning behind it from a biologist standpoint. But uh, it's 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 definitely more than that. And um, you know, as far as procreating, you know, wolves. From what I understand, it's interesting, Tom. The uh, uh, the alpha male. And uh, the top female in a pack, those are the only two that breed, um, that the rest don't. It's just those two until one of those, you know, loses their position. And, and then some, then another alpha male takes over. And I guess, I guess, would you call it an alpha female too? And they become the new breeding pair. So it's kind of interesting. Now, you would think that genetically that that, would kind of mess things up you know what i mean if you got the same wolf packs and they're i don't know you would just seem you would seem like there's be a lot of inbreeding eventually going on that wouldn't be good for the health of the pack yeah you would think that but maybe animals are different than humans when it comes to that respect so well actually you know when you think about it they evidently they 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 must have certain ones from a pack that end up dispersing and starting other packs otherwise we'd only have one giant pack of wolves (laughs) it'd be one tooth yeah it'd be one giant pack of 1200 wolves in wisconsin or 2000 wolves or whatever hey we got another uh, email here this is from bob on stumpy bay he said my set my sister sent me this from her squaw lake association facebook page 40 minutes west of manaqua the woods are big and the moose are gigantic. There's a picture on her. It said, uh, she says, maybe the elusive moose isn't as elusive as we thought. This big guy was captured on a game camera at the south end of the lake. And there's a, she sends a picture of this big old moose. The, the horns aren't real big yet, the antlers. They're not real big yet. But uh, up by Manaqua. 40 minutes well, north of Monaco. There's a moose running around. Do, do you remember the story about the Missouri moose? Uh, remind me. I'm, I'm not, not sure. They, 
there many many years ago i want to i don't know 70s 80s whenever but there was a moose that ended up all the way down in missouri and i think they figured that it must have followed the mississippi river or there okay. some river maybe missouri river it followed a river system and got all the way down to missouri and then many years ago there was one uh near shano uh near the uh Menominee Reservation there around that Legend Lake area, there was a big old moose that uh, they had pictures of wading out in one of the lakes there. And that wasn't just a little one. That was a pretty good size one, as I recall. I wonder whatever happened to that moose. Yeah, I don't know. Or the Missouri uh, moose. Whatever happened to that poor Missouri? You know, they pro the poor, poor guy probably died alone and lonely of yep. old age. Yep, probably. Yeah. Or unless unless somebody thought it was a deer and shot it, you know. <laughs> it, well, that it was it, Missouri, you know. Well, somebody a couple of years back did shoot, I believe, a uh, cow a cow yeah. moose, or maybe it was a calf. It was, it, it was an elk. Yeah, they thought it was a deer. Lady, a woman shot that. Right. Yeah, big old big old cow elk, and she thought it was a whitetail. I don't know. But then again, did I ever tell you uh, when I went down to Missouri one time? had to go down there and pick up a boat and it was so much it was so funny my wife and i went down there and tell me if this is true because you went to school in missouri right yes yeah uh it seemed like every other guy and every other business down there was named virgil i mean we saw virgil's gas station virgil's drugstore virgil's emporium virgil's bowling alley virgil's this I mean, and and then what was so funny when we got, I went to Bass Pro Shops to pick up a bass tracker, and then when we get to Bass Pro Shops and we go in the shop, guess who comes out and waits on us? Virgil, Virgil. Ward. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I just thought it was very hilarious. Did you know well, a lot of Virgils down there? No, I, I didn't. I no? I wasn't really. Uh, tell you what I frequented when I was down there, Tom. I was frequenting the Chinese restaurants. It's oh. where I learned my love for Chinese food. They had these Chinese restaurants that were like these tiny little, tiny little huts, little places, and you could order your big, huge order to go for like $3. So nobody was named Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> the Chinese restaurant, yeah. <laughs> but, but I guess, you know, you know, if you owned a Bass Pro Shop, you'd probably save a lot of money because you could just... Get a bunch of name tags same, named Virgil, you know, and yeah. when you go through new employees, you don't have to get a new name tag with a different name. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I'll tell you what, um, it's a couple minutes of seven. We got a couple, just a, like two minutes of commercials only, folks. And we'll be right back with the second hour of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Newbauer. And Sam Schmitz is on the board. So if you do call, say hi to Sam. We'll be right back, folks. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan.
you see, folks, that wasn't so bad. That was only a couple of minutes. Hey, listen, I'm glad you're joining us for the second hour. We've got a lot more to go when it comes to Wisconsin Outdoors. And, you know, we call it the crazy train because we go take a ride on the train through Wisconsin and all different things going on. So, anyway, you can get involved in the show if you want. By, you know, if you got any questions or comments, just call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the board, and we are glad that you're with us this morning. Right, Danny? Yes, we're very happy. We're happy to that our, That's right. Our listeners are with us. And, Tom, we were talking about moose before. Um, there was an article recently where some moose was in a parking garage, I believe, uh, a structured-type parking garage in Colorado, I want to say. And uh, they had to go in there and uh, tranquilize it and uh, relocate the moose. Um, But it was kind of funny. The article was almost apologetic to make sure that they weren't getting any of the animal rights activists upset where, you know, they they were talking like it got to the point where, you know, we really had to, you know, for the moose's safety. So it sounds like this moose was probably wandering around town for a while and everybody thought it was, hey, it's cool, there's the moose. But finally it got in that parking garage, then they could justify getting it out of there. Well, from what I understand, moose can be very mean and they'll attack, you know, so... I guess yeah, they got I, a short fuse. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think I'd like to have a, uh, have a moose mad at me. Uh, you know, even, even, well, I, I would say that a cow moose with, with calves would oh, yeah. probably be dangerous. And then oh, yeah. those big old bulls, uh, they get pretty aggressive, I think, especially during the rut. Um, and I don't think wolves have, uh, wolves, moose, I don't think moose have the greatest eyesight either. No, probably not. No, I, I think I read somewhere about that too. Not the greatest eyesight. So. No, no. Um, in closer, uh, closer to home here, I was reading uh, somebody online or on one of the social media sites was talking about uh, they live near Pewaukee here. They uh, there was a coyote stalking their cat. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they said the coyote didn't seem to be too frightened by the people either. So. I can see that being kind of a common thing in the suburbs now, being as we have so many coyotes. I mean, there's people that are getting pictures of coyotes and fox and everything else in their backyard. Most of the time, these people on social media, they can't tell the difference between the fox or the coyote. So they're putting a post out there saying, what is this? But uh, there's actually quite a, quite a few in the area. Hey, Danny, we should we should run a coyote jamboree and have a contest where whoever brings in the most coyotes dead wins a prize. You know, we should or, or you know, try to get some sponsors for it, you know, and you can hunt anywhere you want in the state. Just bring in, especially around here, though, southeastern Wisconsin. So we'd have, bring... a, we'd have a coyote contest. You know what? We'd be in trouble, though, because, you know, they do some of those out west, and uh, you know the the anti the anti uh, hunters they get wind of a you know coyote contest and you know the coyotes are too close to dogs for a lot of the tree huggers you know what I mean yeah. so I I don't think uh, you know I wanted to do I talked about this uh, over at uh, Carly's uh, 
Carly's Bar here. I was uh, in Pewaukee. I was talking to Jake years ago and some guys. And this was beer talk. It never made it any further. But we were thinking of having a squirrel contest where we would have a day out there where it'd be like a Saturday. And everybody signs up and pays for a pool. And you go out and you squirrel hunt and come back that evening. And uh, we uh, contest would be the biggest squirrel the heaviest squirrel or the heaviest five five uh, limit is five squirrels each the heaviest five person limit and then we could have some squirrels already skinned and cleaned up and cook them on the grill out there and have squirrel fest but never came to fruition but another one of those great ideas that that uh, sounded good at the time yeah actually that does sound good i'm surprised somebody hasn't done something like that you know well, they, they do a lot with the rabbit hunts. Remember we talked yeah. to, I think it was Cece that we talked yeah. to, and yeah. he t- talked about his, his, his rabbit rabbit hunt out there. And at the time he talked to me, before we had him on the air, he was kind of concerned because he didn't want the anti-hunters going after him. Uh, but I said, no, 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 our listeners are, you know, pro pro hunting and so forth. And I think his, his, his uh, rabbit-a-rama, I think is what it was called or whatever, his, I think uh, they, they they had money, I think, that went to some charity or something. So yeah. it, it really benefited a good cause. Yeah, and I think I think a person could run something like that, whether it be with squirrels or coyotes or or whatever it is, you know. Because, you know, I mean, they do it with fish. Why not with animals, you know? It's, yeah, it's, oh, and one thing I want to I wanna mention on the air here uh, be, before I forget, uh, you know, my... Uh, my brother uh, worked, uh, my uh, your brother Tim, uh, deceased brother Tim, worked for J.J. Keller uh, Company up there in Oshkosh. And that's, that's quite a big, big company. And uh, the uh, head of that company, James Keller, uh, he's a big fisherman. In fact, they have what's called the J.J. Keller Fishing Team. And uh, I went online and, and in some of these uh, walleye, tournaments that they have they've sometimes kicked in i don't know ten twenty thousand dollars for for prizes you know for top top team or top winner or whatever so they're actively in involved in that uh i was up at oshkosh at uh, their uh college stadium and it's called jj keller stadium so i'm thinking maybe uh he's probably behind that but i i got some nice news this week um james keller even though he was the uh the millionaire uh, owner of this huge company, and my brother was just kind of a uh, peon, uh, working low-level employee. Uh, James Keller found out that Tim was, as James Keller would say, a hardcore hunter and fisherman. In fact, that was his nickname for my brother Tim. So the head of the company <laughs> would invite him out fishing, and they'd go out on his big fancy boat on Lake Michigan. And uh, I think last time my brother took his wife out there. So uh, I didn't even realize, but uh, I think he was at, at his funeral. Uh, I would have liked to meet him. But he went to the, uh, the, the church that my brother belongs to. They, it also has a school, and it's a Christian school. I believe it's both, uh, I think it's all grades, actually, and I think that's where my brother Tim's kids went. He uh, he went out there and uh, did a presentation this week, and my sister-in-law said she was in tears, but apparently he has started a $25,000 a year scholarship for families that are, you know, kind of needy 
to sponsor them to go to that school, and he named it the, I think, the Tim Bush Hardcore Scholarship Fund, something like that, which I wow. thought was really, really pretty neat that he uh, that he did that in honor of my brother. So uh, if I ever get the chance to talk to Mr. Keller, I would like to thank him personally. Maybe somebody up in Oshkosh is listening and can let him know how much uh, the Bush family appreciates it. That is amazing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, wow. that, that, I thought that was really, really something. So, yep. Yep, that is good. They're very good. Wow. Pretty cool. Well, my brother, he was a he was hardcore man. He hunt fish, fish hunt. Uh, you know, back when we were just out of college, you know, he got married right away. So he he was actually the avid hunter and fisherman uh, in in the age twenties and in in our thirties. Being as Dan was still the single guy in his twenties and thirties, I was kind of busy involved in other. <laughs> Other other interests and activities, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't fishing and hunting as much. Uh, yeah, hunting I do the deer hunt every year. I would do that, but uh, until I you know kind of settled down and cooled my jets, then I got myself after about age 40 when I quit my job where I was working 60 hours a week. Then I really got into the hunting and fishing big time, just like him. But he was hardcore. Uh, I've got a truck full of tree stands and steps and everything else in the back of my truck right now because uh, he had all kinds of stuff and I might as well make use of it now and uh, I think it'll go to good use up there. Maybe uh, maybe it'll help us shoot a bear, hopefully. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be cool. Yeah, did I tell you my son Nick got his bear rug back? His, it, you know, with no. the head and the paws and all that stuff? Yeah, he got no. that back from that bear he shot a couple of years ago. He took about a year you know, and he got it back, and yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's 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 good. How big was the bear that he shot? Uh, uh, I'm guessing here, uh, 260, 280 pounds, something like that. Okay. Kind of yeah, your, that, like your your average size, yeah. A- actually, from what I understand, Tom, the average size black bear harvested in Wisconsin normally dresses out around 150, 160 pounds. Oh, yeah, I don't know if this was dressed or not. I don't. I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if if that's the like the one I shot was dressed at like uh, two thirty-eight, I guess to be exact. Uh, I guess you could add maybe about forty, fifty pounds and say that bear was close to three hundred on the hoof. Now I've got the one on uh, trail camera from last year um, during deer season. We got a monster on the trail camera that that's what we're hopefully going after. And it's funny, I uh, emailed the picture to Jeff because he wanted to send it to some of his friends out west and email it. And uh, in the caption, I put down, this is Big Bubba. Well, I think this is fate, Tom. You know, I'm always kind of superstitious. Right after I sent that email, I went outside by the lake here. And a family came in off a pleasure boat, and as they're unloading all their stuff off the boat, some guy comes walking up with this huge kind of a, a raft, the kind that's like a big recliner that's about, you know, I don't know, diameter of about eight feet, and your little kids sit on it, and they get pulled by the boat. But on the side of that raft, it said, Big Bubba. And I thought, whoa, this is a sign, man. This is a sign, man. We're going to get Big Bubba. 
Oh, God. Yep. That's so, it, man. <laughs> Big Bubba's going down. He's going to draw a bead on it and say, it's curtains for you, mister. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and you know, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you after the break, but bear meat is very good. You know, bear meat is good. I've only had is- it once, and I couldn't complain. So, anyway, we got to go to a break right now, and when we come back, well, we can talk bears, we can talk uh, fish, we can we can talk anything, folks, you want to talk about. So we'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer. Sam is on the boards, and uh, we always thank Sam. He keeps uh, keeps us in line here, keeps things going straight. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't know if you've heard it. We haven't heard from Tex in the Big Rig lately about Winnebago, but I just heard from somebody yesterday that, you know, the perch fishing is good, but it's supposed to be really good next year that they, they're expecting a big... Uh, a big spawn this year from the perch, and that next year there should be lots of perch in Winnebago, even more so than what they have now. But the ones that are, you know, like like the eight inches now, they're expecting to be, you know, like ten inches next year or something like that. So that's where I got to go next year. I got to get up there to Winnebago. Yeah, if you if you can get up there and get some perch. Uh, now I have seen some Facebook posts from uh let's see mr bluegill troy peterson with with a bunch of walleyes i believe and i'm pretty sure he's been getting those out on winnebago this summer i haven't really heard a whole lot of reports typically tex in the big rig is our winnebago connection yeah um yeah and uh now as far as fish uh, uh up up on the bay of green bay i was up talking to our friend tilkey uh, at uh, Smokey's uh, Muskie Shop on the Bay, which is located right at the mouth of the Fox River. And he told me some guy got a, uh, I believe, a 56-inch recently casting on the bay on a topwater. A 56-inch um, muskie, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. Wow. No, a 56-inch perch. Um, yeah, 56-inch. <laughs> yeah, a 56-inch perch. That We're going to call that one really, really big bubba, Tom. You know where they have 56-inch perch? In the Nile River, Tom. Yes, they do. Yeah, they got some monster perch. And they look like perch, which is really weird, you know. But they're really big. I wonder if they taste good, you know. Boy, I'll tell you, can you imagine catching one of those Nile River perch? Can you imagine the fish fry you could have with that puppy if if it, if they really are as good as, uh, as oh. our perch here? Yeah, feed the whole village. Wow. You, feed the village, yeah. They're big, they're so. big ones. They're big, yeah. Yeah, I, I just wonder know. if they taste like our perch taste, you know. Well, know. that's a good question. You know, put that on your list, Tom. Add that to your list. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. You know, I know you're going to be real busy figuring out. Uh, no, somebody already did the work for you on that sturgeon moon. So, yep. geez, that's already off your plate. This is the least you could do in your busy week. Do what? Uh, put this on your list as far as finding out whether those Nile perch oh, are good to eat. yeah, they're good to eat or not. But getting back to what you were saying about a 56-inch muskie, that's that's the size limit up there, 
right? Yeah, uh, 54, I believe. Oh, and 54. I think uh, I think the thing hit like 10 feet from the boat, from what wow. I hear. So, so yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 little wonder we we don't hear from our friend Dave Olson a whole lot lately because he's probably busy as heck up there chasing all those uh, muskies. Well, I think he's doing a lot of walleye guiding as well. Wacky yeah. walleye's. Uh, guide service is going strong if you definitely want to uh try and catch yourself some walleyes i would contact wacky walleyes guide service get up there while the getting's good get some good fishing in and uh and once you're done fishing this year don't forget uh supreme marine and rv uh stop on out in pewaukee and check out their facility on hickory street it's a incredible facility if you've got a nice expensive boat or RV, you want a nice indoor safe place to store it, or outdoor with all the security cameras gated, I think you'll have a code to get yourself in there. That's the place to take it. So now's the time to start uh, planning for uh, winter because soon, before you know it, Tom, it'll be November and I'll be deer hunting and calling calling into the show from the field. Yep. I talked to Dave Olson, Olson this past week and he was up fishing by Washington Island. Oh, he was way up there. Was he going for the smallmouth then? I'm guessing. I didn't get a chance to ask him that because the reception, the phone reception, was not good. So we could only talk for a minute or two, you know. And I didn't get to that part. So well, uh, yeah, we lost I do, connection. I do believe that uh, Wacky Walleye's guide service also guides for smallmouth, and as we talked to Dale. Uh, earlier this year, he kind of alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, it's not just, you know, wacky walleyes, it's wacky smallmouth guide service up there as well. Uh, they've been uh, really doing that more and more and more, taking advantage of the fabulous smallmouth fishery that's going on up there. Yeah, and the musky fishing. I mean, that is, that, that is a world, I mean, for walleyes, smallmouth, musky, that, that is world-class waters, you know. Well, uh, yes. Yes, it is. It is. I mean, I mean, just think, you could go there and catch a 58-inch, a 56-inch muskie, a 35-inch walleye, a, a 6, 7, 8-pound smallmouth. My goodness. Where else can you, where else can you go and catch those three? Oh, and monster perch. People are catching some really big perch out of the bay now. So, you know, it's like, where can you go to find those sizes of fish and on a regular basis unbelievable you know there was a uh, there was a huge perch that was caught through the ice i want to say it was this year uh, our yep. listeners could probably google it it was part of uh, brett alexander's crew mm. um they were out and one of his guides pulled this gar- huge perch in just uh, unbelievable uh, i think they were been, ju- it might have been close to the state record I think so, yeah, as I recall the story, and he was jigging for walleyes, and he caught that huge perch, so, yeah, yeah, that that really is something, uh, yeah, getting into the big perch, that's, when you're getting those babies, it's great. Well, I, from what I hear, the perch fishing on the bay is coming around, you know, years ago, uh, you know, I'm talking 30, 40 years ago, you know, you'd go out there and, and catch a bucket full of really nice big perch, you know, the, the, the 12-inchers, and, uh, but then over the years, I don't know, something happened, over, overfished by anglers and commercial, commercial fishermen. I, like I said, I don't know what happened, but the perch population went way, way down. And now, it's, it, from what I hear, it's coming back. 
and that, that's another thing I want to do is go after those big perch on the bay. But I guess they're doing better on the west side. Is that the west side of the bay? Yeah, um, the, west the west side, side of the bay. Huh? Yeah, near the uh, uh, Pensaki, uh, Okano, yes. Peshtigo oh. side over there. Right, all of those areas. Yeah, yeah, they're doing better on those bigger perch over there, it seems like. Well, our friend Ron Johnson was fishing the Pensaki Reef. Uh, he was uh, fishing the walleyes last year, and he was using... What, what's the name of that one bait? Uh, you 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 knew what it was. There's some kind of a some kind of a jig type of bait that they use for the walleyes up there, but I it escapes me. But he caught a a 17 inch perch that oh, he sent wow. me a picture of, and uh, it it looked like it was 17. It looked like a peacock bass. The thing looked so big, and he <laughs> he let it go. I think. It might have been close to the catch and release record as far as length up there, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, they, if you catch a catch a perch like that, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Let me ask you: Years ago, when you were young, d- did you go out and fish the piers in in Milwaukee for the perch? Oh, sure did. Yeah. So, so a lot of old timers they always talk about it. How how would you fish for them? I mean, did you fish on bottom? Did you use live bait? Uh, what was yeah, the tactic? Yeah. Yeah, we used live bait, you know, either, we, we didn't have a lot of minnows then, you know, to transport those, but we used a lot of worms, we used a lot of crayfish, tails, uh, and, you know, they always talked about, oh, they were so big, no, no, they, you know, people's memories, I don't know, the fish get larger with time, I guess, but, no, you know, we're talking averaging 8 to 10 inches. You know, if you got a 12-incher, that was a really big one, but they averaged 8 to 10 inches. And you could literally catch a bucket full of them. They were so plentiful at the time. And uh, what we would do is, I mean, well, we would fish for them off the McKinley Pier. But once I had a, you know, was able to have a boat, then what we would do is we'd take the boat to the what they would call the China Pier or the break wall. Right. We'd tie up the boat and we climb up on top of that, and then we, you know, we'd have our lawn chairs. You know, and we, I mean, it was really nice, comfortable fishing, you know. And, yeah, you'd catch a bunch of them. And one time, though, I mean, and you didn't have to use, like, rods and reels. You could use cane poles and just hang them over the side, you know, let the line hang over the side. And and the pole you just put on the ground. And one time I was fishing with a couple of DNR guys, and uh, a salmon grabbed, I can't remember now if it was a salmon or a trout, it grabbed the bait and took that cane pole right off the pier, and it was swimming around. We hopped in a boat and chased it around, and we finally got it. But, uh, no, that, you know, it, it was, the, the perch fishing was really good, but the fish weren't as big as what people tend to remember, you know. Now, I, I really find it hard to believe that they would allow you to fish off that pier. I'm guessing that's illegal now? Oh, I don't think so. I don't I don't. I don't think it's illegal. I mean, they've got they've got railings. They got like ladders going up the break wall. You know, yeah, there's ladders there. So, but but I don't think that's be, so. Joe Sodbuster Fisherman can motor on out there and climb up the ladder. I don't know. I've never. I mean, when like I said, when I was younger, we did it. Uh, and I never heard anything wrong. As a matter of fact, I did it with a couple of DNR guys, and they didn't say anything about it. And I would think that okay. they would know. You know, if it was illegal. I, 
I just, I, I guess I'm thinking maybe they allowed it back then, and I just yeah, have I a hard know. time believing in today's world they would let people be out on that pier unattended because some dummy's going to have to be rescued one way or another. Um, now, it's really deep out there, Tom. When you said you were cane poling, I mean, how, how, how far down were you hanging those baits? Well, the cane poles were, I don't, I don't remember if they were like 14, 16 feet long. And so basically, oh, you were about six feet from the water. So, uh, I don't know, maybe down about eight, nine, ten feet, something like that. Okay. And, and it's, so, deep, it's deeper than that, but those fish, you know, they, they came, I mean, generally we would fish closer to the bottom, okay? Right. I mean, not right on the bottom, but let's say a foot or two from the bottom. But the thing is, is that they would come up and grab the stuff that was up higher, you know, so they were moving around, or maybe they could just smell it, you know? Right, right. Cause yeah, because when you think of perch, you think most people fishing them on the bottom. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, it was, uh, and and there was be, there would be. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't say we were the only people out there, but there were other people that out, were out there doing that, you know, and uh, and it was just more comfortable than being in your boat, you know, because you get this, you know, kind of going up and down in the boat, whereas you know you take the lawn chairs and you sit on the pier in the lawn chairs. It was very comfortable and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Something I haven't done in a long time, though. Yep, and sure. something you probably <laughs> never will do again, Tom. I probably won't because, let's face it, there's not the perch down there that there used to be, you know. So, and Son we used to gun. fish off the, you know, for the salmon off the McKinley Pier. Uh, so we used to do that too. And, well, one of my friends and I, we also we would go up to the Port Washington Pier, and we would do that as well. So. Yeah, pretty pretty much all those piers. So yeah, I think we got to go to break, Tom. Oh yeah, what time is it? Oh, I haven't been looking at my clock. Gee whiz, I'm sitting there reminiscing. Okay, yeah, let's go to a quick break, folks. You're listening to Dan and Tom. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractants. Don't forget the Bait Mate. It's always worth spraying it on your mini mite for those panfish and other things as well. Yeah, I do that all the time. Gotta, gotta do gotta, that. Gotta, yeah. gotta have it, gotta have it. Hey, yeah. uh, Tom, I, I found a new job for you. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. Uh... The DNR is uh, accepting clean boat, clean water grant applications. And to apply, you contact the DNR at this website. And it says this, there's $4,000 available in state grants to eligible part applicants that have 200 hours of watercraft inspection completed at a boat landing or a pair of landings. Uh, an organization is eligible to receive 24000 a year. So it looks like if you decide that you're going to be an inspector 
Looks like they give you a fancy shirt and you go sit at a boat landing for 200 hours and you get $4,000. Uh, my mental math, Tom, is a little off right now this early in the morning. So 200 hours, $4,000. Let's see, how much? Well, if it were $10 an hour, you'd make $2,000. So there looks like you're getting paid 20 bucks an hour to uh, help inspect underneath boats and stuff uh, for weeds at boat, boat launches. So it doesn't sound like a bad deal, actually. And that's 200 hours, huh? Yeah, it is. You're right. $20 an hour. Yeah. Gee, 200 hours. So I, I, could, wonder... I, could, I could do that. I could just sit there, take it easy, you know, have my sun umbrella out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, you could uh, have your lawn chair, Tom. Yeah. And uh, a pina colada and, and, yep. and an, umbre an umbrella over yeah. you because you want to keep the, you know, keep the sun off you. Yep. Yep, and, and then as the as the boat drives by, I could just look at it and give them a thumbs up. Say, yeah, you're okay, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I got I got one. There'd be one problem with that, Tom. And uh, you'd have to actually crouch down and look underneath the boat. And you know, I'm not saying natural mobility isn't what it once was. Uh, you know, but I I just uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe well, let me that ask might. You this. Who, who's inspecting the inspectors? Hey, 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 Tom. If nobody's my dad taught inspecting me years, the inspectors, you know. If you got a job to do, Tom, you do it well. Well, like no. I'll get one of those low-sitting uh, lawn chairs. Then I could just look right under the boat from that low-sitting lawn chair. You know, here, here's what I thought. If I was awake. <laughs> uh, if, if, if there's an enterprising kid... Uh, here would be my idea. Uh, sit at a boat launch and have, have a bucket or several big buckets. And when people pull out, uh, have a tool and offer to take the weeds off of their trailer for them. And, and, and maybe do it for like tips. You know, have yeah. a bucket that says tips appreciated. And most people come off the lake, well, especially the pleasure boaters, <clears throat> they got this big old boat full of weeds or a pontoon boat or something. And they, and sometimes it can be really, really tough. I mean, these, these unbelievable, the amount of weeds underneath these things. Uh, to have a kid do it, they'd probably slip them 5, 10, 20 bucks, especially if they've been drinking. They're probably going to be really generous. So I thought that would be a way for a kid to make some bucks in the summertime. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. It's some launches are very weedy, and other launches are very clean. You know, it just depends, like, uh, when the weed cutters are going through, and if they're not getting all the weeds, or, or let's say, like, uh, uh, there's a lot of boats racing up and down a weedy area of the lake, and if the wind's blowing at that launch area, yeah, I know the Pewaukee launch at Smokies, that can get kind of weedy at times, you know. It, uh, it, it, the problem here is we get a lot of prevailing west winds, and they yeah. tend to stack up down here. And uh, and then this year, the you know, it the pickup wasn't, uh, the I don't know, I think it's the village or whatever. You know, back when my buddy Luther used to be on that detail, he was here quite frequently, and it was kept pretty clean. But this year... Uh, it wasn't as, as frequent, and uh, I think Ken at the beachside maybe made a few phone calls, and so now I've seen him here a lot more often picking up the weeds. But the beginning of the summer, it was especially bad. It, it was so bad that P. 
people would there would be so many weeds on the actually on the launch on the pavement of the launch that people would back in and get on you know kind of where the pavement's wet and with those weeds on that wet pavement and with two-wheel drive people were having a hard time it's like they were on ice they had a hard time even pulling out of the launch with their boat you oh, know wow. once their boats on the trailer yeah it was really bad yeah, that yeah, those, would be bad, yeah. Would yeah, be. those weeds were slicker than snot on a doorknob, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, but it's better now. They've done a much better job of keeping up on it. It was bad. Fourth of July was really, really bad, as yeah, I recall. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Wow. Yeah, you know, I never did ask you uh, about, uh, yeah, Fourth of July. They had the fireworks out there, right? Yes. And a lot of boats parked on the, on the water watching them? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, they put on a really good show this year. And and what and you said uh, you went to that uh, there was a band a Big O's band was playing down at the yeah, beach I, was it you know I I never did make it to Big O's band because I have an annual party of my own uh, otherwise known as Bushy Fest and uh, we get Jake and his family from Carly's and a whole bunch of the gang come on over and we grill out uh, we have squirrel we have rabbit we have pheasant we have uh, we have we have just a big huge cookout all day long, and then we wait for the fireworks, and we got our lawn chairs here. So that's where I spent my time, Tom, and uh, good time had by all. Yeah, because our, our sales manager, Big O, uh, Dave Olson, he the, his band was was that down at the beach or close to the beach area they were. Playing? Yeah, there's kind of there's a pavilion, Tom. That's yeah, down right. yeah. uh, down kind of towards the. Uh, towards the north uh, near the railroad tracks and they right, got a pavilion right. i'm sure i'm sure that that's where he was uh set up for that um as well hey you were mentioning the weeds uh one of the problems from what i understand at least uh for for pewaukee side of the lake here is that uh, they were having a hard time hiring enough people to run the weed cutters Really? Uh, at least that, yeah, and and at least that's the word that I got, and and I saw actually, I, I when I was out trolling this week, I actually saw our friend Tom Kep motoring across, uh, and he's the boss. He was on one of them, but uh, yeah, I I, I I don't know. Evidently, that might be a problem. Uh, I guess a lot of you know, just like a lot of restaurants and so forth, are having a hard time getting help. Uh, I believe the Delafield side of the lake, uh, from what I understand, the west part of the lake. Part of that is Delafield, and they, from what I understand, they've got their own weed cutting crew that does does over there. I, I I've heard that. I don't know if that's fact or not. I guess somebody would would be able to clarify. So yeah, so that we've had a lot of weeds this summer. Well, here's an interesting email we just got. It says this is from Gary, and he says. Uh, have the boys announced the first waterfowl hunting expo? And you already did, right? On Saturday, August 28th. Yes. Sunnyside Expo Center, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Yeah, we already did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, we did in the first hour of the show. So perhaps yeah. he was not listening the first hour. He tuned in. But yes. So inaugural... now we're the boys now. We're the boys. We're, we're the, the guys. Yeah. We're, right. we're the bo- we're the we're we're low skies. Remember, yeah, like one of the Cheech and Chong movies. One of the Cheech and Chong movies. They called them low skies. Yeah, low skies. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, low skies. Got to take a commercial break. Last one of the day, folks. So uh, 
Hang on to your whatevers, and we'll be right back with more. Welcome back to Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are on the final stretch of the uh, Ride on the Crazy Train. So once again, thanks to all of those who uh, who have rode with us today there, Tom. And I think last week I did mention that uh, this past week the uh, antlerless uh, deer tags went on sale on August 16th. Um, so I uh, I went online on let's see August 17th or 18th I can't remember which I bought my uh, bought my deer license couldn't believe uh, for where I hunt up in Monroe County uh, that's uh, Central Farmland Zone Two I got three three antlerless permits wow. with my license yeah. And, uh, and then um, I, when I got my bow license, I actually selected the southern farmland zone, too, for down here, just in case I want to go uh, hunt with my friend Mike with the, with the shotgun uh, late season and so forth. Sometimes we try and do a holiday hunt uh, for the antlerless deer. So I got two tags for antlerless here. So... Plenty of doe tags and should be uh, plenty of venison going in the freezer this year. So the, that, that was the positive. The negative was the central forest, which is zone one, which is where I have the palatial estate up there in Douglas County. Um, by the time I logged on there, there was nothing, a whole lot of nothing available up there. And I looked at some of those other northern counties, Bayfield, etc., I'm guessing those are the ones that go right away where people are probably, you know, logging online the day the sales open and waiting in wait, hoping they, they, they get in there and get a tag because they, they go fast. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I'm supposed to go fishing on Monday with my son, Nick. Now, two of my boys are out fishing this morning, but I'm supposed to go with him on Monday, but uh, his wife might have the covid and uh so the virus and she got tested the other day and they'll find out tomorrow if she's got it and if she's got it i'm not going fishing with them not going to be anywhere around them for a couple of weeks yeah i guess that's you know that's the that's the protocol i guess yeah that um, is two weeks yeah i'll tell you you know i it, it can really kind of screw things up, you know, in your plans, you know. Uh, uh, you know, if, especially if you're going to be around a lot of people, because that's what happened. They were at a wedding, and they were around a lot of people, and uh, that's how, you know, she got sick. But she doesn't know if it's if it's the COVID or she's just got a cold or the flu or something, you know. Doesn't know for well, sure. You know, if it weren't for COVID, I think my brother would still be alive, Tom, because when he got so violently sick... He uh, he just naturally, I'm sure, assumed that he had COVID or that he had a reaction to the shot that he just got. So I, I got a feeling had that COVID stuff not been going on, 
maybe he would have been more inclined to try and figure out what's wrong and gone in, you know, to the doctor quicker than what he did. But, you know, nowadays a person gets sick like that, you're automatically going to assume it's COVID. Yeah, yeah, you think right away like that. So, so yeah, so we'll see. And, and you know, we got a family outing uh, coming up, a family gathering uh, coming up in, a, in about a week. As a matter of fact, let's see now, I'm looking at the date, yeah, in about a week. And uh, so we're all wondering, it's like, oh, geez, you know, do we go? Do we just stay far away from each other? Do we wear masks? And then you hear how the masks don't do what they think they were supposed to do, you know? So I don't know. It's all up in the air right now. Well, Tom, don't you have some of those Israeli gas masks at Sherpers that you could, you know, yeah, pick Sherpers, up? Yeah, they, they do. They have uh, Israeli, and uh, there's another brand, uh, what is that other? Oh, geez, they got another brand of gas mask too. But yeah, they got a couple of them. So, so okay, so those are like, are they like used by the Israeli army or something? Was that yeah. like surplus? And the others are, I'm guessing, some U.S. Army surplus no, gas masks. No, no, the other ones are from another uh, country over there in Europe. Uh, I don't know if they're Czechoslovakian or they're they're another over there, you know, some country over there in Europe. I, I suppose you'd have to look at it and see if the tag on back said made in Czechoslovakia or, well, or made I, I in Taiwan or made know, in Japan. When I was there, uh, it says right on the box where they're made. One says what Israeli does? and one says something else. Yeah. How, how much, Tom, how much are those going for nowadays? I think they're like 30 bucks. Oh, okay, because I might be in the market for a gas mask. Oh, you know, really? Why? <laughs> well, you know... I, I, a guy can never be too careful. You know, I, I think it's high time in life I, I wise up and start wearing a, a helmet on my bike and, and, and a gas mask as well. You, know, you never know when we're going to have that terrorist attack where we get that dirty bomb or, you know, in, in, or whatever, you know. And, and, and don't you think a gas mask would protect you better than that stupid cloth mask from the, from the dreaded COVID? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, did you hear the report where it said that uh, most of these uh, uh, cloth masks don't do anything and uh, other masks are uh, 20 or 40 percent effective only and that the one that's most effective is that one that, I don't know, comes to a point? You know, it's kind of where it kind of sticks is, out a ways. Is, is that the N95 one or something? Yeah, yeah, or? something like that. Yeah, yeah. So and it's like, so what does that mean? It doesn't, does it mean like don't bother wearing them? They don't work anyway? I mean, who knows? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, I do think that for a lot of people, it's a psychological, it's a, uh, it's like a comfort blanket for a lot of people, uh, especially when you see people outdoors. In, not even within 20 yards of anybody and they're walking with a mask on I um, I don't know so uh, it, it, as far as the actual re research on you know the whole thing with the mask and six feet away and this and that I, I really think there's been precious little actual research done in fact from what I understand previous research indicates that uh, previous research indicated that the, the masks were not really that good at stopping other viruses. So I've right. heard that. So who, who, who knows? Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can get through this thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Yeah, so especially any, with this other, you know, all these different variants coming in, you know. So you know, I can I can say that you know I can think of some times up in the deer cabin with a bunch of guys where having a gas mask probably would have been helpful at it. At, <laughs> I thought about that too. Yeah, that, that would be helpful at times. Well, I don't know how much time we have left, Danny. Uh, we just got the two with uh, two about a minute and thirty seconds, yeah. but. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. I gotta hop in the truck and head north, my friends. So uh, I yeah, guess that's all I got. That. Yeah, be careful doing that. You know, what? Oh, yep. Don't want you falling off it. So that's all gotcha. I got too. To okay. all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractants. We'll talk to you next week, my friends. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.